Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, folks. Good to see you again this Sunday. What a wonderful worship service we've had so far, huh? I mean to tell you, we were just... uh, Inspiring songs of praise, and uh, what a meaningful and beautiful uh, prayer we had. And, um, you know, even announcements are, are a part of, of our community, aren't they? They make us community. They prepare us for service. Uh, it's just so important. And, and now we're on our way to the climax of the service. Oh, no, no. Oh, wait a minute. You don't think I'm talking about the sermon, do you? Oh, no, no way. We're on our way to the climax of a worship service where we remember and celebrate what? Communion. Okay. So I just wonder, you got your, you got your sights set on the, on the heights when we get there? Well, happy Lord's Day to all of you uh, who are here. Happy Lord's Day to those of us who are joining faithfully online. Huh? Turn around, give them a wave. Yeah, all, all of them are sitting right up there in that little box. Yeah. They're, they're all there uh, watching us, and we hope you feel like that we're a part of your Sunday morning worship, because uh, we definitely feel like you are part of us this morning, so, so thank you for that. In fact, you all might uh, just check in on the chat and let us know that you're with us, because we're with you. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to tell you right up front the one-word topic of my sermon, the theme of my sermon. I'd, I don't usually do that, but I feel like I have to today. Here's the word, marriage, marriage. Now, I know what you're gonna tell me. I know what you're thinking already. Not another sermon about marriage. Some of you hear me say that word and you're already feeling bad because you're saying my marriage isn't picture perfect and he's gonna make me feel guilty or my marriage failed and he's gonna make me feel guilty. Some of you are feeling sad because much as you wish otherwise, marriage doesn't seem to be in the picture right now. And some of you would like to be feeling glad because you're glad not to be married and you just don't wanna have to be dragged through all of this marriage stuff. You are perfectly happy single. And, uh, and, and good, good for you. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we usually call it the, the chapter about marriage. You read that chapter. It's a chapter about what? Singleness. Christian singleness. Yeah, so, uh, so it's safe. Well, before you tune me out, or in the case of you all in that little box back there, turn me off, literally... Before you do that, let me assure you of two things. This that you're about to hear is the most positive sermon about marriage you will ever have heard. And number two, everything I'm about to say about marriage 
applies to every person in this room, married, ever married, never married or not. Why? Because we are the bride of Christ. And I'm telling you what, folks, Christian teaching about marriage is for all of us. If we want to grow in our relationship with our bridegroom, that's Jesus, then the good word has a good word for us about being a better bride. So everything the New Testament says about marriage teaches us about the Christian life. And everything that the New Testament says about the Christian life teaches us about marriage. You got it. You got it. The best way to be the very best Christian husband or the very best Christian wife you can be is to be the very best Christian you can be toward your spouse, toward your husband, or toward your wife. Can I say that again? The very best way to be a wonderful husband or a wonderful wife is to be a committed Christian in your actions toward one another. It's as simple. No. It's as hard as that. It's as hard as that. Well, let me ask you a question. What if I asked you to choose one married couple as a model for Christian marriage? Think about that. Where would you look for an example of a married couple that truly honors God in their relationship? Let's, let's, let's try some possibilities. Hollywood. Huh? No? No? Okay. Let me try again. Uh, okay. Uh, th- <laughs> thank you. See, I was going all this silly route, and she cut right to the positive, didn't she? Uh, at, least, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, you, you, you say you wouldn't look in Hollywood, huh? You wouldn't look in the entertainment world? No. Among the rich and famous? Among politicians? Eh. Um, how about on TV, in the movies? No. The magazines at the checkout stand? Yeah, there you go, right? The tabloids? No. Probably not. Well, okay, those are the silly ones. Who would your model be? Maybe you've got a model in your family. Maybe your parents, your grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Some other couple in your acquaintance or in your family or in your neighborhood or, or in your church. I'd like to invite you to emulate Pat's and my marriage, huh? I'd like to. But I can't. I tell you what, maybe someday, but we're just getting the hang of this thing. We've only been married for 56 years, and this is just, uh, you know, it's a work in progress, right? Yeah, it's a work in progress. Thank you for adding that line there in my sermon, Pat. Uh, that's, uh, that's good. No, but, but besides, we can do so much better than point you to Pat and me. 
I can point you to the marriage that I try to mimic. Who are my marriage mentors? Let me introduce you to Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila is the man. That, that's a funny name that we don't use much anymore. You might not know, but that's, he's the husband. And Priscilla, of course, is the wife. Aquila and Priscilla. They had a model marriage of the, the kind of mutual marriage that Paul actually advocates and teaches in his writings. And they have influenced my view of marriage and, most importantly, my view of Christian relationships in general. Remember, that's my second point, right? Marriage and all relationships. Yeah, they have. Well, here's what we learn. Here's what we learn when we model our marriages and our lives after Aquila and Priscilla. Number one, decide who comes first. I think I barely noticed as a young person looking around, you know, ride my bike around the, the roads uh, of uh, the farmland in northeastern Maryland there where I grew up, that the husband's name was on every mailbox. Just the husband's name, including my own long lane. Down at the end of that, it said James Magnus. That's my daddy. It didn't say Arlene, my wonderful mother. Yeah, it took me a long time to notice that, but I eventually did. And then I got to look in the telephone directory. Now, let me explain to some of you what a telephone directory is. <laughs> now, <laughs> some of you can remember what a telephone directory was. Well, I got looking in the telephone directory, and guess what I found there? James Magnus, huh? James Magnus, that's what it said uh, for my, my phone number. We had a party line. Anybody here ever have a party line? Party line. My grandmother was on our party line, and she picked the phone up no matter whose ring rang, okay? She was always on the line. When my, whenever my father picked up the phone, if it was our ring, he would say, Mother, I've got it. You can get off now. Because <laughs> she always listened to, to everybody. Uh, yeah, it was always, always the man's name. So boy, did I notice it when I finally got started studying the New Testament a little more carefully and ran into Aquila and Priscilla. Because you know what I discovered there? Two times they're called Aquila and Priscilla. Now that's the way it ought to be, right? Who comes first? The man came first, didn't he? And then his wife, see? Well, then I got to counting it up. Two times it's Aquila and Priscilla. Four times it's Priscilla and Aquila. That's not the way they did it in that culture. And to be honest, it's not the way they do it in many parts of our 21st century culture either. But this isn't the first century culture we're talking about or the 21st century culture we're talking about. This is the mind of Christ. This is the body of Christ. These are Christian people talking about a Christian couple. And for them, who went first just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Let, let, me, let me show you. I want to show you all six times. 
Can we, have, can we have that list of the six times that they are mentioned? Here's the first time. Paul found a Jew from Pontus named Aquila, he and his wife Priscilla. Now that's the traditional order, isn't it? Next, Paul set sail for Syria along with Bong, Priscilla and Aquila. Unusual. When they heard Apollo's teaching, Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and explained the way of God to him even more accurately. Keep going. And uh, Paul, in, at the end of Romans, writes, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Prisca was the nickname of Priscilla, okay? And then the next one is similar, Aquila and Prisca greet you earnestly in the Lord. That's from the end of his letter to the Corinthians. And then finally in 2 Timothy, greet Prisca and Aquila. Two-thirds of the time that this wonderful Christian married couple are referenced, Priscilla is mentioned first. Don't you love it? Their names were interchangeable. Aquila, Priscilla, Priscilla, Aquila. Who cares? It just didn't matter whose name came first. They were a couple. They were together. They were one. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're nodding your head and saying, yes, that's, that's wonderful. But doesn't someone have to come first? Doesn't someone have to go first? Doesn't someone have to be first? Doesn't someone ultimately have to be in charge or make the final decisions? I know that's going through your mind. It goes through my mind every time I say what I've just said to you. And there are two answers to that question. The first answer is yes. But it's not necessarily always the same person. Let me, ex- let me illustrate. Let me explain. Pat grew up near Chicago. I grew up near Baltimore. When we visit Chicago, guess who navigates? Or better yet, drives? The person who knows Chicago. And then when we go to, Boston, uh, to, to Baltimore, well, I do, naturally. I, I grew up, you know, going into Baltimore. Um, I, I, I know it, it's my turn to tell us where to turn. Huh? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, let, let me get a little more serious than just driving directions. When it came to child rearing in our short marriage, we've had two children um, I deferred to Pat on child rearing. I mean, I participated, but I deferred the decision-making about child rearing and discipline to Pat. Why? She had already practically raised three younger sisters and had made a collegiate study of child psychology. Why would I make the final decisions about child rearing just because I'm a man? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Now, she deferred to me in the really important parts of our marriage, like yard work and, and, you know, home repairs and things like that. Carpentry does run in my family, after all. Now, yeah. Now, the second answer to the question, doesn't somebody always have to come first, go first, be first, make the final decision, be the ultimate authority? 
My second answer to that question is also yes. But that someone is always Jesus. One Lord, one leader. In a Christian marriage, this is my conviction. You don't have to see it the same way I do, but I'm just sharing with you my conviction from from my study of the New Testament. In a Christian marriage, it's not about who wears the pants. It's about who wears the crown. In a Christian marriage, it's not about who's the mister. It's about who's the master. And that is always Jesus. And that's not only true of a marriage relationship, that's true of every relationship we have in the Lord. Second thing I learned from Priscilla and Aquila, decide to stay together wherever you stay. Did you notice in those six references to Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, that Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned together, always mentioned together. It's not ever one without the other. Priscilla and Aquila met and married in Rome, which is in Italy, right? And they lived there together. When the Jews were expelled from Rome, they migrated to Corinth, which is a big city in Greece, another country, together. Then they moved with Paul to minister in yet another big city over in Turkey, yet another country called Ephesus. And when they moved, they moved together. And then we learned from Paul's letter to the Romans that eventually they moved back to their original home after the Jews were allowed to return back to Rome together. Everywhere they stayed, they stayed together. Pat and I have always felt that wherever life, wherever life took us, we'd be all right. Do you know why? Because the first thing we found when we got there would be each other. Grundy, Virginia, Nashville, Tennessee, Boise, Idaho, Atlanta, Georgia, Elizabethton, Tennessee, and believe it or not, Pottstown, PA. Where whatever else we found in all those places, we knew we would find one another there. Whatever we faced there, we knew that we would face together. Now, we've traveled a lot, moved a lot. Even if you've never left Chester County or wherever you live, you'll face different situations. You'll face changing and challenging circumstances uh, like our, our, our beautiful prayer referred to throughout your lives. You'll face difficulties, maybe the birth of a child, the loss of a child, the, the death of a child, the sickness of a child, the lack of a child, a new job, the loss of a job, no job, old age, ill health, retirement, you can handle those challenges better, at least in my experience, when you face them together, wherever you are, with one another together. 
So it doesn't matter so much if you stay put or stay on the move. Just do your best to stay together like Aquila and Priscilla and look for that kind of loyalty in every relationship you sustain in the Lord. Third thing I learned from Aquila and Priscilla, decide to share everything you can with each other. Our mutual marriage mentors, Aquila and Priscilla, shared their whole lives. Everywhere they lived, they shared their home with each other, and they shared their shop with each other. Yeah, they shared their shop because they shared a skill with each other, tent making. They shared their labor, and they shared their livelihood with each other. Partners in Christian ministry. Now, I, I do know that partners in Christian ministry will each have their own interests and hobbies that they do sometimes by themselves or with other friends. I get that. There's, there's no problem with that. Pat crochets and reads novels nonstop. I, on the other hand, well, let's just say I don't crochet, okay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Pat grows flowers and arranges flowers and gives flowers to everybody she can find uh, to give them to. I mow the lawn and try my best not to accidentally mow over the flowers that, yeah, the, that she has planted, okay? So, uh, yeah, we each have our own things. I get that. But we have deliberately discovered, or in some cases, deliberately developed activities that we enjoy doing together. We share a love of hiking and gardening. For 30 years, we taught at the same college, and now we have grandkids and a little bit of travel. We share as much as life allows. So even if your job and your hobbies uh, take you apart for parts of your lives, that's okay. Just make sure that you do as much as you can together with your spouse. And remember, that teaching about Christian marriage also applies to all Christian relationships, right? Seek out opportunities to do as much as you can with fellow believers in your community, in your church, uh, wherever. Make it a, a mutual thing. Well, let's go to number four. What do we learn from Aquila and Priscilla? Decide to share everything you can, not only with one another, but with others. The first time we meet Aquila and Priscilla in Acts chapter 18, they are sharing with Paul. They shared their home with him. They shared their shop with him. They shared their tent-making business with him. And soon they were sharing the disciple-making business with him because he took them from Corinth over to Ephesus to evangelize that big city, traveling and teaching in the synagogues and marketplaces, sharing ministry together with Paul. Wherever they lived, they were generous. We learned that they shared their private home with local congregations everywhere they lived. They had what we call house churches. Yeah, yes. 
Now Priscilla over here, I mean peace, but I'm going to call her Priscilla from now on, um, told me that uh, she's uh, feeling energized with uh, the spirit this morning, and boy, we know that, don't we? Uh, in spite of the fact that she didn't get to bed till 2 o'clock last night and had to get up at 7 to drive all the way over here. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this young, wonderful woman uh, was out partying till 2 o'clock. No, 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 no. 15 years ago. Yeah, 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 okay. For the last seven years, she has hosted a house church in her home and backyard. If you get a minute, like, like I'm going to try to next Saturday night, let's pray for the effectiveness of the ministry of Priscilla's house, I mean, uh, Peace's house church, okay? House church. Yeah. Aquila and Priscilla had a house church, hosted a house church everywhere they lived. We know it. Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, and then back in Rome. Everywhere. They opened their home hospitably to others. Their house was available for the church, to the church, even as the church. All right. Think about what you have to share with others. It may not be your house. It just may not be appropriate. How about your garden produce? How about your swimming pool? Don't I wish. Your, how about your tools or your time or your talents? How about your money or your minivan or your memories? No, I don't care what it is. Share it. Share what you've got as a couple with everyone you can. Number five, what do we learn from Aquila and Priscilla about a Christian marriage? Decide to share your love for, for God and all that you've learned about Jesus with others. When the great Christian preacher Apollos traveled from Alexandria, Egypt, where he lived, up across the Mediterranean Sea to the city of Ephesus, big city up there where Priscilla and Aquila are ministering now, hosting a house church, they were surely thrilled because Apollos was the most famous Christian preacher and teacher of the first century. Yeah, he was even more famous then than Paul. We know Paul better because Paul wrote letters, you see. But he was very famous, very highly respected. And they, I'm sure they listened to him preach and teach with great excitement and were thrilled at his message. But they were noticing that he lacked some very vital information about the nature of Christian baptism. And rather than just write that off, they wanted to share the good news of Christian baptism, that we're not just baptized into water, we're baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to share that with him, and they did. It says they took him to... Actually, it doesn't say what they took him to. It says they took him to, and then there's nothing more there. In your English Bibles, it'll say they took him to their home, but it doesn't actually say that. We don't know where they took him. They may have taken him to their home or their house church, to the elders, to the congregation, 
to their small group, to their dining room table. It doesn't matter where they took him to. What matters is that they taught him. They shared with him more accurately the joy that they had in the Lord and the way that they had been incorporated into the saving death and victorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ through Christian baptism. They shared that, you see. And I love that about them. So, you too, use every opportunity, not just as individuals, but as often as you can as a couple, to teach others what you believe, what you've learned, what you've experienced, what gives you joy about God and God's grace and Jesus and His love and the Spirit and His presence. I don't care who you tell. Just tell your children. Tell your grandchildren. Tell your neighbors if you can. Tell your colleagues. Tell your brothers and sisters in Christ like they did with Apollos. Tell them more than they know. Teach them something new, more accurately, more completely about things that really matter, about faith and following and being filled with God's Spirit and committed to a life of sharing to which you've been called as a couple, as a Christian. Well, I hope that those of you who are married or are planning to be married hear something in the example of Aquila and Priscilla that you find worth emulating, because I sure do. And I hope that all of us, not married, never getting married, no longer married, also find something helpful here, because we're all the bride of Christ. Aquila and Priscilla are a great place to look, because their example reminds us that it doesn't matter whose name comes first, as long as you make Jesus first in every relationship. So my advice to you, my fellow Christians, is forget that whole macho thing. Just just let it go. Just forget it. Um, There's a deeper principle at work here for Christians. According to Jesus, it's others first, not me first. It's me last, all others first. Serving, not served. Pay attention to Aquila and Priscilla. Their example reminds us that we need to stay together wherever we stay, stay with the Lord's people and stay with the Lord. And that implies to commitments to family and friends and your small group and your congregation of believers. Commit yourselves to them. Stick with them through all the stickiness of life They will be there to support you, and you will be there to support them, and it may make all the difference in all the different circumstances of our lives. Pay attention. Don't forget Aquila and Priscilla. They remind us that we should share everything we can with one another and with others. So look around. Take an inventory of what God has given you. What do you have? What could you share A spare bedroom, a basement, an unused vehicle in your driveway, a vacation home, a garden. And then look for people who would benefit from what you do and what you have and start sharing. Share your home with a small group from church or with neighbors or with travelers or with missionaries, home on furlough or with refugees. Just give what You've got whatever you've been given. 
And finally, the example of Aquila and Priscilla reminds us to share God's love for us and our love for God. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Let's pray together. So now, God, we make our declaration of interdependence. Interdependence on you, on your Son, our Savior, on your Spirit. Interdependence with our spouses and with all those with whom we share life. Help us, O oh God, to love, to love one another, to love being together, to love being last, seeking somehow, somewhere, someone to serve in your name. And we pray this through our beloved bridegroom, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.